where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. When you hear this morning's resurrection story, you'll know why we chose that opening hymn. Meet us right here, touch us right now. This story comes to us from the Gospel of John. But one of the 12, Thomas, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples kept on telling him, we've seen Jesus. But he replied, unless I see in his own hands the mark of the nails and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Well, just over a week later, the disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them this time. The doors were shut. But Jesus came and stood in the middle of them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. Look, here are my hands. Take my hand and put it in my side. You must not doubt, but believe. My Lord and my God, cried Thomas. This is a story of proximity and action. The thought of seeing and touching those wounds, though, unsettles my stomach a little bit. It weakens my knees, makes me want to sit down. Sometimes it even makes me want to just curl up, pull my knees in, put the comforter over me. Jesus stood in the middle of them and right there on full display were the intimidation and terror tactics of the Roman Empire. The wounds in his hands, the piercing of his side. Now, it's no longer nails and hands and feet or a piercing in the side from a sword but the tactics and tools of intimidation and terror are still on full display in our world. We see representatives of the empire armed with weapons designed to kill, as well as power and authority and legal protections that until relatively recently have gone unchecked and unchallenged and even uncharged. Have you seen enough videos to believe this yet? Have you gotten close enough to touch and feel the wounds? Our resurrection stories tell us that Jesus is alive in the people who are bearing the marks of the empire. These aren't strangers. These are Jesus. 
And Jesus is asking us to believe, to give our hearts to this, to believe it's really Jesus, the one who continues to be executed. Our service is a combination of reflections and music from the United Church of Christ National. And so I'm going to turn now to a a very brief reflection from one of the national staff folks on this passage, and then we'll come back in the room. My name is Noel Anderson with the UCC National Collaborative on Immigration, and I'm sharing reflections on John 20, 1931, this Easter. When we look at this scripture, we think of doubt often as something to try to conquer. But what if doubt is not something to be ashamed of or to try to overcome? What if it is a critical part of our faith? What if when we are unsure is when we are forced to seek deeper? It's only when we're honest about our fears that we can actually face them and when we are give voice to the lack of faith that we experience, that we're able to find Jesus in new ways. After a year of facing the pandemic, political turmoil, racial injustice, children in need at the border, how can we not have our doubt? But through all our fears, throughout the doubt, we find our faith and new voice to give witness. When we understand that the bodily resurrection is representative of our renewed commitment towards collective salvation, collective liberation, then we can recommit to fight for justice and to walk hand in hand in this search for redemption. The body of Christ rises. The bodily resurrection is representative of our renewed commitment to align with those who bear the wounds of the empire, whether it's on the border or in the streets or in a park or in a home. What about now? What are the wounds that you see? And what are the ones that you're afraid to get close to? The ones that make you queasy, that weaken your knees. I sincerely hope you've noticed that there is a serious and vicious violence problem in this country. And too often the target of that violence are people of color. It's a tragic continuation of a story that's based on a lie of superiority, the lie of supremacy and the unquenchable habit of domination and hunger for more. And even still, while all of this is present, 
the tactics and cornerstone of God's empire are also on full display. Jesus rose. He stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Go ahead, touch the wounds, get close, move beyond the queasy, and believe. I want you to give your life to this. I want you to give your heart to this. And there's a song that goes with this. You know, there's a beauty when breath becomes sound and sound becomes song. And again, we're going to turn to our ministry partners through the National Collegium, and we're going to hear a new song for our community. Rise up, peace eternal, love eternal, hope eternal. Do those words sound familiar for folks who come to church a lot? They're words of Advent, aren't they? Where we light those candles each week, waiting for the birth of Jesus. And remember, Advent is a word that means arrival, waiting for the arrival of this new day, a new moment, a new movement, Be born in our song, it says. The shouting of Palm Sunday becomes the song of resurrection. And we long for justice here. I think we all share that longing, even if our lives are not in danger. Our spirits are. When other people's lives are in danger, our spirits are in danger. But we may not feel that. And so this scripture, this song, the reflection from a community member in Ohio asks us to renew our commitment and gives our lives, give our lives to the story and song of resurrection where the life of Jesus also lives in a new body, the body of the church, not just an individual, but the body of the church, which is not immune to the power of the empire. Remember, there was a time when the church and the empire were deeply embedded And so we must consider the ways that the church has been complicit. The historic support of enslavement, the misuse of power to cover up and deny predatory behavior. Right here in Longmont, forcing Spanish-speaking people to sit in the back and having services only in English. inflicting the wounds of isolation on the ignored, the overlooked, and the outcasts, demonizing and shaming the other. And that other is also Jesus. I think there's a reason why 
when Jesus appeared to Peter, who had denied him, who had not acknowledged a relationship with him. When Jesus came back and said, and saw Peter, rather than shaming him, he just said, hey, Peter, do you love me? (laughs) He said, yes. He made him say it three times. So if you happen to be a lover of Jesus as I am, we have to take a look at what that means. It's risky. It can make you queasy. It can weaken your knees. It can make you want to curl up into a ball and cover yourself with a comforter. A well-named article, isn't it? Hmm. It's time for us, again, to remember that as the body of Christ, we must step up and speak the words of peace and love and hope in the places and spaces where people are devastated and dying, where people are sick and scared. And I say this to you as someone who has received hate mail and has been demonized and has been spit upon and denied basic civil rights. And I only bring that up because the rights of the LGBTQ community may seem to be intact now. It's sort of like a, what's the big deal? It was a bloody big deal for a long time. And it's still a little bit tenuous for the trans community, more than a little, pardon my understatement, please. So what this sounds like is love needs to say and shout and sing enough, enough. Hope needs to say, we can do this and I'm in. Peace says, I'm here with you. I see your wounds. I'm here with you. And what Jesus is really asking us to believe in is God's power. God's power at work. Where even after all of that, all of the bloody mess, we can still stand. And what was so violently opposed is now almost self-evident and accepted. How does that happen? But by the power of God and the work of many. Where have you seen this power at work and learn to believe yourself. Now this congregation, this community, led the way with open and affirming in this town, really. That was messy. Made some folks queasy. Tested your commitment 
You led the way with Michael Holmes, giving away a piece of land, permanent housing for people living with disabilities. That was courageous. Because they're not like off on the back 40 or something. They're like right, they're our neighbors. And they're beautiful people. You're doing this now with some of the environmental justice initiatives. Some of the building decisions that go along with that for sustainability. And I would even say space use. But what about public safety and violence reduction? Are you up for that? How's your tummy? Public safety and violence reduction. It's a big one. The other ones sort of fall into that category too, but you can parcel out little pieces. This feels like a bigger piece and together we can maybe parcel out some pieces, but let's call it what it is. Is there anyone that doesn't want to live in a world that's safe? Rise up, the song says. Let's rise up together and let God's power flourish through our courage. And here's the thing I've noticed about courage. It builds on itself. It's like that snowball rolling down a hill. It gets bigger. And it picks up momentum. And courage allows us to see and respond to the breaches of dignity and respect. And they, it helps us to see more clearly. And it's actually very freeing. Because the cloud and downward press of denial and dismissal needs to be relinquished. It needs to be relinquished. It's a burden. It zaps life from all of us. And whether it's the overt and the serious or the covert and the subtle, the courage to see is a gift. My prayer used to always be, you know, God, help me to understand. And then it moved to help me to see Help me to see. And something courageous and remarkable has happened here in this community very recently. And this, you know, compared to what's already been mentioned this morning, feels more, much more subtle. But it's a proclamation. And if you're paying attention to the resources connected to our spring annual meeting and for our guests. We have a meeting in the spring and then we have one, I think in January, where we gather as a community and make decisions. There's in that resource 
of, it's called the packet for the annual meeting, there's a community covenant. And it was written by folks in the Pastoral Relations Committee. And the Pastoral Relations Committee is a committee that always has an eye out for the health of the congregation. So their job is to see and to look for health and to build up the health of the congregation. Build up and support healthy practices. And so members of that team took time to really sit and ponder, to consider the almost 150 years of this congregation. That's a long time. And to articulate what, what we can now see as historic patterns that were not life-giving. Things that, it's time to just let them go, to name them and to say, you know, that's not who we are now. It's where love says we need to stop this. We just need to let this go, really. We, we can name it now, we can see it, let's just call it out and stop. And where hope says we can do this, I'm in. I'm, I mean, you know, come on. We're people of the covenant. We're a community that lives in covenant, one with the other, and with other churches throughout the state and throughout the conference and throughout this entire nation. It's where peace says, I can see the harm and I'm here with you. Let's not do that. Jesus is asking us to give our lives to God's power. And so I know that over the course of the next few weeks, you're going to look more closely at that document, and we're going to use it in, we're going to use it in worship as something to learn from. And if you think this is a novel idea, uh, let, me, let me point out to you the book of Acts and all of the letters written to the church in different places by different people. There's lists all over the place about what it means to be a community of Christ. These are things to do. These are things to avoid. They didn't all have uh, a retired professor from Virginia Tech to write it, um, but they're still hopeful, and they still work. So we're going to start looking at that a little bit more. So consider this just a, just a little teaser about it. Because as the body of Christ... What we want more than anything is to live and flourish and rise up as an extended community with Jesus, the one who lives in all people and who still bears the wound and the wounds of the empire and asks all who are willing to rise up and be repairers of the breach. We can do this. It's time to believe. And you can bring your doubts with you. Because if you haven't seen this before, I can understand why you wouldn't want to freely give yourself to it. It's okay. Come along with us, and you'll see. We're going to pause here.
for a moment of spirit time to reconnect with your breath, the support of the seat and the ground beneath your feet. And in the presence of the Holy Spirit, let's pray for the gift of seeing and the gift of courage.